Well, as we end another week, it's time to go Inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Sabalero. And today's Inside EMS podcast is sponsored by FirstNet, built with AT&T. FirstNet uses the latest technology to keep your lines of communication and data open to help you respond faster, smarter, and safer. Now, here's a guy who is faster, smarter, and safer. Our good friend, Kelly Grayson, KG. Welcome to the end of another week inside EMS. I'm, I'm looking around for faster and smarter. Uh, uh, safer, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you were, you're talking about faster, smarter, and safer, and I'm looking around. Who can he be talking about? Surely not moi. Well, you know, I mean, I try to give you a good introduction every week. It, I, I it's know, hard. It's I know, really hard just to just to make stuff up. So I got to. It's uncharacteristic I, of you, you know, to admit that I am both faster and smarter than you. Whatever. I, I, I just, didn't say of me. I was I shocking to, to hear it in the podcast. I will race you anytime, and uh, we can always go through. I think you are smart. Oh, you'll beat a foot. Person. You'll beat a foot race, man. You'll yeah. you'll beat me in a foot. I was going to use my car. I don't know that I was going to race you. <laughs> say I don't. I don't. Race. I, I'm. I lettered in the hundred meter mosey in high school. Oh, did you the hundred meter <laughs> yeah. mosey? That's really good. I was actually doing the sachet, so it was a little. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because now that you know, I left the military and I'm getting older. I've got one speed, right? And everybody's like, "Man, you walk so slow." I'm like, "You know what? I'll get there when I get there, man. If you want to run, go ahead and run. I'll see you in a few minutes." Well, I, on the other hand, have made the commitment to do different. I went to see the physician today who is getting me some some treatment for my for my trick knee and i went and and uh joined the the local health club and i'm going to be hitting that uh elliptical bike and treadmill and the swimming pool harder than ike ever hit tina so, so you got a you got a trick knee <laughs> oh yeah I've, what I've kind of tricks does it do does it do I, it's not it, it's got its main like, trick like, is uh hold belly down, up and sit. make him step step very carefully lest it collapse I don't know what it is. I'm probably walking on a torn meniscus or something. It's I'm, I'm limited only by my pain threshold and that's pretty high, but, uh, you're a mess, uh, man. You were a mess. So yeah, I am only hanging out with you long enough to see you get on dialysis. That's it. Then we're done. (laughs) No, no. Hey, well, my kidney function on the other hand is great. My (laughs) kidney function is great. My labs were wonderful. Uh, Doc said, I, I, I have no excuse uh, or uh, I have no um, earthly reason why I should be as healthy as I am, and as fat as I am. <laughs> so I will. Oh, that's good, man. I mean, I think that works sir. out. And that's a, it's yeah. a great thing to be proud of. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> so, you know, Kelly, we try to, uh, you know, bring the best topics that we can inside EMS. And, you know, sometimes it's just articles that we see. And, and mm-hmm. one of the things that we talk about is, uh, you know, what's going on inside EMS. And this is something we talk about this show of two paramedics sitting in a truck talking about the things that happen inside EMS. This is probably one of the things that you and I would talk about in an ambulance. And Andrea Boss, and I don't know if that's how you say her name, but uh, if it isn't, Andrea, I apologize. She wrote a great article that I sent to you, Five Leadership Flaws That Hold Us Back. Yeah. It's okay to have flaws, she says. We all do but you must be willing to work on them. And I think that that's, what's really important. So we thought that it would be cool to kind of take a trip down this article and talk about those five leadership flaws. And and I just want to, before we start this, I want to define leadership. So leadership isn't a noun. Leadership isn't a position. Leadership isn't a title. Leadership is an action, right? And you Mm -hmm. don't have to have a position to be a leader. Leadership is defined as influence. If you can influence people, you can lead them. Makes no difference if you're the mechanic that fixes the ambulance, 
makes no difference if you're an EMT that's uh, driving the truck, makes no difference if you're the paramedic who is uh, given patient care. Um, you know, you have the ability to influence people. So now when we think about this from the standpoint of five leadership flaws, I don't want you to think about it as a position. I want you to consider you out there, consider yourself to be a leader and think about these five flaws of how you can polish them to make yourself the best professional that you can be. And you never let anybody else dictate your professionalism. So Kelly, I mean, I think that this is going to be a great article and uh, just for your opening thoughts, what do you think? Well, I, um, this, this is right in your wheelhouse. So I'm going to flip the script. When you, when you interview me about clinical issues, I'm going to interview you about leadership because this is your thing. So I, I, I'm, I'm not going to, to start with, with the five items uh, in Andrea's article, though. I'm going to ask you straight up, what do you think your biggest flaw that you have identified as a leader? What is your biggest flaw that you're working on? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Put you, know, you on the spot. Yeah, I think that it is, you know, but I have to be able to identify these all the time. So when you think about leadership and leadership development, you always have to continue to polish your knowledge. I, I think one of my biggest flaws, one of them I'm going to admit is my, uh, uh, my wanting everything to be as perfect as it can be. Yeah. And I need to get out of perfect sometimes and accept excellent. And um, I think that that's what it is, is I want everything to be as, as perfect as it can be. And uh, I believe in being the best that I can be. And people will say, are you the best? Yeah, I am the best. You know, am I the best basketball player? I'm not Michael Jordan, but you know what? I'm Chris Sabalero best. I, I give it everything that I've got yeah. to be the best that I can be. So if I'm going to work on a flaw, it's uh, I, I got to be able to accept excellent over perfection. And, uh, you know, I, I'll write an article and I'm, I'm still writing on paper. I'm not typing mm-hmm. it. I love to write on paper and I'll get halfway down and I'll make a mistake and I'll rip the page out and I'll start writing all over again. And I think that's a little bit of OCD, but I, I think it's yeah. a great question. But what about you? What do you think your biggest leadership flaw is? Um, I, I don't, I, I struggle with, with people who don't grasp things as quickly as I do. And that, that sounds like the height of arrogance. Like I'll catch on to things so quick, but, but it is, it's a problem for me. It's been a problem for me, for me with my students. It's been a problem with me in a supervisory position with my subordinates where I try to, to communicate with someone who I think uh, sees the problem as clearly as I do. And then it's apparent that they don't. And, and I have a gift for being able to, to take abstract uh, concepts and, and make them relatable and to, to grasp them very quickly. And I sometimes get impatient with people who do not. And I have to constantly remind myself that that, uh, that is something that I'm able to do that, that um, many people cannot. And rather than judge those people, uh, for the their inability to do that, I need to accept that as as you know something. It's a gift I have, uh, and I should be thankful for it. And and try to work with people who uh, who may not uh, have that same gift. So, impatience with people that that um, 
you know, explaining myself multiple times. Yeah. Uh, I have to, I have to remind myself, okay, if they're not getting it, Kelly, it's not because they're dumb. It's because you are not communicating it effectively and it's your problem. And, and, uh, that's, I'm getting that's a little a bit, imp- I'm getting a, bit, a little bit impatient with this, uh, explanation. If so. you want any crap, if I want any crap out of you, several air, I'll squeeze your head. Whatever, well, see, there, there you we, go. There's the impatience kicking. There you in. go, man. I was <laughs> testing you. I was testing yeah. you is what I was doing. Yeah. Well, as you, uh, as you were saying, you, you know, the, the, uh, a wise man once said that the, uh, the perfect is the enemy of good. So I think we both spot our own flaws and, and, and work on them. So I'd like to ask you how common in, in EMS leadership positions, uh, do you see this first item in this insensitivity and arrogance, uh, where, where the, it seems like the, the leadership cadre or the, the management tier, does not seem to care or does not seem to identify with the problems that the field crew is going with. Um, how often do you see that? And, and what, what are your remedies for it? Yeah, I think that that's a, a good question. And one of the things that we rem- have to remember is that EMS is a very egotistical business. And I don't know if you know that or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, but it's the egotism that carries, carries us along when we get into positions of responsibility. I'm not going to call them leadership positions. I'm going to call them positions of responsibility. Right. And one of the things that we have to be able to do is understand what our role is in the organization as we start to move up in the chain of responsibility, supervisors, managers, directors. And our job now is to is to work for the workforce. They don't work for us. We work for them. The true measurement of leadership success is how engaged, satisfied, and productive the workforce is. Everything else is extra gravy because every problem that we have is around employee engagement, is around employee satisfaction, and is around employee productivity. And when we get talked to by our higher-ups about why is an employee doing something, I mean, that's really the true measurement. So now when you get into these positions of responsibility, we've got to be able to understand that we invited these people into our organization to help us become successful, right? I mean, if we can get rid of the workforce, our job as leaders would be easier. Of course, I say that tongue-in-cheek because we need the workforce to help the organization become successful, and hence the leaders are successful. Mm -hmm. So when we take that approach, the arrogance really kind of takes the back seat because we realize that they're not there for us, but we have to be able to be there for them. Insensitivity, I think, comes into, you were kind of touching on a little bit of insensitivity, uh, Kelly, when you were talking about your patients, right? And insensitive, not in the sense that you don't care about people, but you think people should learn like you learn. And that's one of the biggest problems when we teach and we stand in front of a a classroom, we teach people the way that we learn best. And we don't think about all the, all the learning styles. Exactly. And we've got to be able to take that into account. So the things that you need to do is really kind of be humble that you're now a leader. And I got to tell you, Kelly, I was not this guy in the beginning. I was the insensitive, arrogant guy in the beginning. And I'm talking to you from my experience to say, be humble that you're in that position. Be humble that you were chosen for that position. Be humble that you had the opportunity to hopefully make a difference for the people who are doing the work. And know, know that regardless of the position in the organization that you hold, you can be replaced in a minute. 
and yeah. you're you're not somebody that is irreplaceable and when you forget that and when you allow complacency to set in and you allow arrogance and ego to take over you are not the person that i want to work for and here's a good gauge kelly the gauge is this would you work for you that's really the gauge yeah you can answer yes god bless you if you answer no it's time to think about doing something different well and and a lot of those but but a lot of those arrogant leaders are incapable of that kind of self-awareness. They think they're awesome. Therefore, oh yeah, any right thinking person would want to work for me, <laughs> you know, and that sort of thing. I wonder how much of this is, is, is a bit of a generational divide, which leads us into, into uh, Andrea's next uh, item, failure to adapt and evolve. You know, we, we have this generational divide uh, between the upper tiers of, of uh, responsibility in EMS and the newest members of the workforce. Uh, you know, it's a trope that baby boomers or Generation X uh, is, is disdainful of millennials who are in their 30s and 40s now um, and, and extremely disdainful of, of uh of Generation Y or Generation Z, you know, the, the youngest members of our workforce. But how much of that is just arrogance? And, and we haven't evolved with the evolving workforce. You know, we, we, we were raised with a different set of values, you know, subordinate yourself in, in favor of the good of the company and, and, and making money and all this kind of stuff. And, and the current workforce we're dealing with is not motivated by the same things. And, and how often do you see leaders that just cannot understand that? And they've got this, you kids these days, get off my lawn mentality. Still pretty common, I would think, don't you? Oh, I mean, I agree with you, but I think that goes Really, I think the second one, failure to adapt and, and evolve, I'm, I'm going to take two points on. First off, I think this goes back to arrogance and ego, right? Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm the leader of this organization, and it's going to be my way or the highway. And I used to have a highway or my way mentality, right? My way or highway mentality. And we have to be able now to know that if the true measurement of leadership success is how engaged, satisfied, and productive the workforce is, which I believe it to be, um, I've got to be able to ensure that I grow with the workforce. But this also goes to the point, Kelly, of not having good professional development. And yeah. where did we get our leadership training from? Me, I just wrote an article for Forbes uh, for Forbes uh, last week or, or a couple of weeks ago where I talk about that I was trained by the baby boomers. And the baby boomers would basically you know, kick your butt inside the organization they wanted you to work hard when you worked hard yeah. now they wanted you to work harder and if you didn't like it you can leave and when we started now to get into the millennials and started leading the millennials who we thought were lazy and now these millennials are getting into their 40s and they're becoming the leaders of the organization it's because we haven't allowed our professional development to take us to the phases that we need to back when we were trying to figure out how to work with the millennials we were taking classes and we were talking to mentors and we were trying to figure out the best way to motivate yeah. and one of the things that we fail to do is grow and when we grow, we help our organization grow. You know, John Maxwell in his book, The 20, the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, talks about the law of the lid, law number one. And basically what that is, is that your leadership effectiveness is only based on your leadership knowledge and ability. And for you to grow from a four to a five, 
you need to be able to increase and you need to be able to involve. The other thing that I want to touch on this is change management. Change management is, is a dirty word in an organization. Ooh, you got to change. And uh, one of the things that we talk about evolution is people, you know, why do we do that? That's the way we've always done it. Or if it's not broke, don't yeah. fix it. We've got to be able to grow. We've got to be able to change and make sure that we have the right processes. So I'm going to put that in ego. I'm going to put that in change management. And I'm going to put that into failure of professional development. Yeah. And and I, I'm... Sometimes you say things and I roll my eyes. Other times you say things and I nod enthusiastically throughout the entire conversation. And this is one of them. You know, I, I, you've heard me say that a good paramedic ought to outgrow his protocols, but a good EMS agency recognizes that and grows along with it. You know, and when you're, when, when you're developing providers, clinicians, future leaders that are, are outgrowing your policies and procedures and the way you do things, the good agency adapts with them and, and grows right along with them. So I, I, I couldn't uh, agree more with what you, with what you said. Now I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Well, before you shift gears, let's go ahead and do the mid show read and uh, go ahead and get that going for us. Everyone in EMS deserves a reliable communication network like FirstNet, built with AT&T. Your fellow public safety professionals at more than 19,500 agencies nationwide rely on FirstNet to make sure they have the connectivity and data they need to care for patients. And FirstNet is now offering increased coverage in rural and tribal areas. So whether you're looking for an individual plan or an agency-wide solution, you can join FirstNet and check out their limited-time special offers at FirstNet.com. All right, good job. Now what do you got for me? I'm going to throw this statement out there. If it felt good to say it was the wrong thing to say. How many times have you been guilty of that? Uh, that sort of thing, Chris, if it felt good, it was probably the wrong thing. Right. And that's really good. I mean, and this, that goes into the third uh, point yeah. that she makes is a reactive disposition. And um, in my book, ultimate leadership, 10 rules for success, rule number one, never allow your emotions to dictate your actions. And how do you think I learned that rule? And, yeah. uh, you know, this really is where you get into leading with emotional intelligence and don't say anything you wouldn't want to hear on the news that evening. And yeah. that's my gauge or don't write everything you wouldn't want to read in the paper the next day. And sometimes it's easier just to be, uh, you know, just to be flippant and, and just to be brash and just to be coarse. And, you know, you just want it to stop. Right. And, uh, and we react. And emotional intelligence is really about understanding your emotions and controlling your emotions and then controlling the emotions of the people who are around you. Yeah. And one of the things that you've got to remember is this. Everything that we do creates an electrical signal when we touch it, when we see it, when we taste it, when we think about it. It's an electrical signal that goes into our spinal cord, that goes up through the frame and magnum, and then it makes a little left turn or a right turn. I don't know what turn it makes. I'm just kind of making stuff up here. And then it goes through the limbic system. And the limbic yeah. system is our fight or flight mechanism that's there to protect us. We need our to, need to put our hands up or we need to be asses and elbows of getting out of there as fast as yeah. we can, right? And one of the things that we have to be able to think about here is once that electrical signal gets to the frontal lobe, that's where our logic is and that's where our reasoning is, right? And that's why they say before you respond, count to 10 or take 10 deep breaths. Yeah. Now, 
we're making the thing that just made us upset we're able to make logic of and reason of once it hits the frontal lobe but we still feel the emotion i know what you said was ridiculous i know what you said made me angry and now i have to be able to choose not to respond to it but i still feel the emotion of anger or i still feel the emotion of embarrassment or i still feel the emotion of whatever it is and this just isn't you know this just isn't for uh anger this could be happiness don't make decisions You know, don't allow your emotions to dictate your actions when you're euphoric either. I've made some stupid decisions with my kids because I was in a good mood that I wish I never made. Right. Yeah. So one of the things that you've got to think about here is you've got to be able to put yourself in a position to lead with emotional intelligence. Five components of emotional intelligence, Kelly, self-awareness, which I think is the most important leadership Mm -hmm. characteristic. You've got to understand why you do the reasons you do. Number two self-regulation or self-control. Now that you've gotten upset, you've got to be able to put yourself in a position to understand why self-awareness, number one, and not allowing your emotions to dictate your actions. Next is motivation. And this isn't motivating others. This is self-motivation. You've got to keep yourself as motivated as you can. One of the hardest things that you have to do as a leader is be motivated. Number uh, four is empathy. You've got to have empathy for for people. And this is where Andrea talks about insensitivity in her first point. Mm-hmm. And then finally is your social skills, being able to create networks, being able to have good conflict resolution skills. So I think that those are the components that you need to be able to look at and go ahead and Google emotional intelligence components and do a little work on those things. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, when you asked me in the beginning of this podcast, what my biggest flaw is, uh, there, there's a one a, and that would be re being reactive. You know, um, uh, I, I don't often react with anger, but I have, uh, in, in recent years. And as my, I get older and my, my old age filter starts to erode and I start to say what's on my mind instead of being polite about it, it's gotten worse. But, uh, <clears throat> That's something that that uh, I, I has caused me problems in the past, and I've dodged most of the the blowback from that because of a good sense of comic timing. Uh, but but yeah, sometimes I've, I've said things that I, I should have taken back, uh, or I wish I could take back. Andrea puts it very well in here that EMS operations are often filled with fires, and middle managers are well equipped with fire extinguishers, but proactive businesses have less fires and rarely need those fire extinguishers. And, and that's it in a nutshell. Um, how many managers do you see, Chris, that have settled into their comfort zone and no longer get on a truck? Uh, they're, they're not leading from the front anymore. And they've, they've kind of lost their street cred with their, with their crews uh, and are blissfully unaware of it. Yeah, I think complacency is something that happens when you get comfortable in your position. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, I do consulting work for a company who is an Amazon delivery service. Amazon doesn't own the vans that run around your city. They are independently owned by contractors. and And I work with one of those companies. And one of the things that I deal with with the leaders in the workforce is their uh, inability to keep the vehicle safe. And it's because when they first get in these vans, it's not like driving an ambulance. When they first get in these vans, they got two hands on the wheel. They're sitting straight up and they got their mirrors set right, just right. And then all of a sudden, after a few weeks, they got their chair tipped back. They got one arm uh, on the uh, door 
and they got the other hand at the uh, three o'clock position and they're driving the vehicle like they just yeah. stole it. Yeah. And really this comes down to complacency. This comes down to settling into comfort and we've got to be able to ensure and keep a sense of urgency that something can go wrong every single day. When we talk about safety in EMS, Kelly, the biggest challenges that we have is we forget that we may not come home at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And same thing in a position. We just know it's going to be a ho-hum day. We just know it's going to be a humdrum day. And we just settle into comfort. And that could be things that, uh, uh, you know, not just comfort in your responsibilities, but things you just don't want to do. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to have this conversation again. I don't want to, I don't want to have to worry about the schedule anymore. And you kind of disconnect yourself. And let me tell you what, this is where delegation of authority comes in. This is where given the leaders who are around you on my leadership team, people had to be responsible for X amount of stuff. And we had to be able to hold them accountable to that. And then when I thought complacency was setting in, I changed everyone's responsibilities. Okay. You're not in charge of the clinical education anymore. Now you're in charge of the fleet and you've got to make sure the fleet gets in for its preventive maintenance or whatever that is. And we've yeah. got to be able to continue that process, but you've got to be able to do it for yourself. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of managers uh, are unaware of the message they send when they get complacent. I, I see this I, I see this frequently teaching for various EMS agencies when they contract me to come in and teach a refresher or teach continuing education or an initial class. And the supervisor or the ops manager says, you know, yeah, I need this too, uh, and expects to be put on the roster, but they're in their office on the computer or drinking coffee or, or taking breaks or whatever, and they're rarely in the room and, and totally unaware that their crews are seeing that. And they realize and they know intuitively that there's a different set of rules for management than there is for crews and that they get away with things that, that they would not let their people get away with. And that's, that's pretty corrosive to morale and, and undermines your leadership potential. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. You should check out Andrea Abbas's article, Five Leadership Flaws That Hold Us Back, and rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co-host Chris Cebolero, Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week.